Center, I would simply say, as we dive in today, first and foremost, thank you so much once again for inviting us into your home, uh, just for allowing us to spend some time together today, diving into God's word. Um, I get that this season is long, but speaking of the season that we find ourselves in, I want to just take a moment here and say that our heart during this pandemic season Uh, prayerfully that is winding down, but during this pandemic season remains to lead you well, uh, but also to lead those who are looking to the church well. And as a pastoral moment here, um, leading well isn't leading without mistakes, nor is it leading where everybody likes you all the time. That's just not realistic or possible. But I do want to say in particular in this season, Again, we, our heart is not to lead perfectly, but it is to lead well, you well. But it's also for those who are looking at Life Center that we would lead them well. We may not even know when they're looking or how they're looking, but they are looking. And I want to say to every single one of us who call Life Center home, I want to say these words, that there's a generation that is looking to how we live and how we lead in this season. There are others in the city who we may never know who are looking about how we post and what we say and what our comments are. There are people who, again, that we may have no idea that we have any influence whatsoever. And so we want to lead well. We want to lead them well. And here's what I want to say. I have no control, nor would I ever desire to have any control over what you post, what you say, what your comments are. And I understand that we can have various agreements and disagreements within this season. But here's what I believe the scripture says. That if the motive of our heart isn't love, then we really should be buttoning up. We really should be letting Jesus work on the inside of our lives before we go outside with whatever it is that we desire to say. Once again, why why am I saying this this morning? Because there is an entire city that is looking to how we are living through this. And there's a beautiful leadership principle that says you got to begin with the end in mind. And it's important to look at even the final words that Jesus says that he will say to us that well done, there's the word, well done, good and faithful servant. There is something about not just living, but leading well, even through times of crisis. And so today I want to talk about all of our hearts, my heart and your heart. Not from a perspective of I've got it right, you've got it wrong. No, no. I want us to humbly sit together and say Jesus has it right. And every single one of us is learning and growing to love and lead and look more like him. So in a posture of humility, there are two things that enable Jesus to lead so well that we need so desperately today. Jesus' inner world, his inner world was in proper order In other words, everything on the inside was like synced up right. The way he loved people, the way he looked at people, the way he listened to the Father and looked to the Father. So Jesus' inner world, it was sinless, but it was also rightly ordered of the Lord. And so his inner world was this, it it was absolutely perfect. And his outer world, therefore, had had no gaps 
It had no hypocrisy. There's nowhere in Scripture, there's not a single instance in Scripture that you can look at and say Jesus was being hypocritical or Jesus was merely acting. He was genuine and authentic and moving in authority, again, because of his inner world in who he was in relation to the Father. Therefore, his outer behavior, his outer world, though misunderstood by others, was absolutely, there was no gaps, there was no hypocrisy. In other words, the very standard that Jesus called others to, it wasn't as though he was living below it himself. He was hitting that. He was showing us what it is to be fully human and to live in the world in which God created. Jesus is the answer to every single one of our prayers for God. Why is the world this way? And how could the world be made right? When we look to Jesus, you and I can see the fulfillment and the answer of all of those heart cries. And so let's talk a little bit about these things today. Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 to 11 says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But Jesus emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant born in the likeness of men or of humanity. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. Therefore, because of the faithfulness, because Jesus lived and led well, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every other name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, not just Savior, but he's the one we're looking to. He's the one that our hope resides in. He's the one that our heart has a home in, that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father, that when you and I root our heart in Christ, it brings God ultimate glory. This is such a powerful passage in the scripture. Fellow pastor just up the road in Ajax, John Thompson says this, the gospels fill in the blanks between Christmas and Easter with the account of Jesus, fully human while remaining God, accepting the limitations of humanity in order to show us how we could truly follow in his footsteps and rely on the power he relied on every moment of the day. Life Center, I want us to live in this season well. And I want us to lead in this season well. I want us to lead those who we know we have influence over. And I want us to lead well for those who are looking that we may not even know that they're looking. We want to lead them well because they care about the city. They care about all the same things that we care about. We won't, don't just want to lead this well. We want to lead this well. So I'm calling us today as a church to lead at a higher level, to live at a higher level, to serve at a higher level, to think before we post, to think not only again, like how are people going to read this and how are those that I know that comment and like my thing, how how are they going to react? But what about the wider people that are going to see those things who look on? How do we engage these things as followers of Christ, as followers of Jesus? This pandemic, hear me with both ears in your whole heart, it's going to be in our history soon. For some 
yes, it dramatically changed their lives. For all of us, it did. For all of us, it impacted. But it is going to be in our history. But here's what isn't. How we live and how we lead through it for others is not going to be in the history. It's going to be in the presence of how they remember and view us. And so church, we've got work to do to together continue to build that bridge. Let's not make this secondary thing a pandemic, a primary thing. Church, let's keep Jesus the primary thing. Let's keep him right out front. Let's keep loving him and leading and leading others who are looking well let's keep his name glorious let's keep it the primary thing so that when this is in the rearview mirror people may agree or disagree with what we did what we said how we went through it but ultimately they can respect that we served our Christ we served with our whole hearts who Jesus is in this season so thanks for letting me have a little pastoral rant moment you know before we can talk about what Jesus did to order his inner world, we have to embrace who Jesus followed and how he was empowered. Jesus constantly, as we have made mention during this series, he constantly followed the heart and the will of his Father. My life, when I follow Jesus and follow the heart of Jesus, isn't always easy. In fact, oftentimes, when I personally follow the heart and the will of Jesus, it makes my life more difficult, but it flourishes in ways that are unimaginable. But when I follow my own dreams, my own desires, my own thoughts, my own comments, my own critiques, when my heart is elevated, or I should say devalued, just to those places, usually I can find, while there could be momentary pleasure or momentary this or that, ultimately, it bears no fruit that I actually am proud of. See, we all have desire and appetites and attitudes and motives. These are all things on the inside that nobody else can see, but they drive our outward decisions. They drive our outward behaviors. Many followers of Jesus over the course of my life, I have heard speaking words of faith. And then in private, when I begin to have conversations, it's not really faith, it's fear that's driving it more than faith. It may sound braggadocious and grandiose in a moment, but the genuine motiv the motivation or the gen genuine manifestation, I should say, is, sounds like faith, but it's not. It's just something else underneath. It's fear. And all of us have these things in our lives like, again, desire and appetites and attitudes and motives and fears and insecurities, as long as all the other good things as well. But all these things swirling on the inside, they drive out and they show up on the outside. And in order for us to enter, to, for our inner world to be properly ordered, we have to fix our following. Who or what we follow, we give the power to form us, to shape us, to mold us into its image. You know, there's a story in the scriptures where Jesus takes a coin and there's a question around, should he pay taxes or not? And he says these words, which are probably like some of the most political words that Jesus ever said. And here's what he said. He said, render to Caesar. Well, whose image is on the coin? And they said, Caesar. And he said, well, give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And the dot, dot, dot that Jesus left out is not just whose image on the coin, is whose image is on us. Because you and I are created in the image and likeness of God. So render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, but we created as the image and likeness of God. We belong to God. We answer to God. That there's this higher call to every single one of us. Because again, Jesus said it's either money or it's God. It's either Caesar or it's God. These things form and shape our life. It's earthly things or it's eternal things. Follow, just follow your heart. 
you know, or just find and follow your bliss or just, you know, here's another one. Follow what you feel. Just follow your heart. I don't that. That's probably some of the worst advice in the world. Now, here's what's problematic, why it's the worst advice. Sometimes when you follow your heart, you make good decisions. (laughs) And other times when you follow your heart, all I want to say is, oh boy. Sometimes when I follow my heart, it's like, oh man, I nailed that. That was so awesome. And then I put my faith and my trust in my heart. And then the next eight decisions afterward, I'm like, oh boy, didn't work out so well. You know, again, this would be fantastic advice if my heart was always a trustworthy compass in my life, but it isn't. I don't trust it. Even though it's on the inside of me, I don't trust it because I've lived a thing or two and I have made decisions thinking, man, this feels so right, only to get it so very wrong. Sometimes my bliss, following my bliss, is not only bad for me, but my selfishness crowds out the joy for others. You know, the Apostle Paul had such better advice to us as followers of Jesus than just follow your heart or follow your bliss. Here's what he said, looking to Jesus. That's what he advises you and I to do. Looking to Jesus, the founder and then the perfecter of our faith. Don't you love that? Look to Jesus, not just for salvation. Look to Jesus to found your faith. He's the founder of it. And then he's the perfecter of it. He's the sanctifier in it. He's the one who's working day in and day out. What do we have to do? We have to look to Jesus and consistently look to Jesus. When we fail, look to Jesus. When we get it right, look to Jesus. In the average days, look to Jesus. In pandemic times, look to Jesus. In non-pandemic times, look to Jesus. Our role is to constantly look to Jesus just as Jesus looked to the Father. This is what you and I are called to do. As Jesus looked to the Father in each way, we must too learn to look to Jesus in all things, not just to look to our hearts, not just to look to our perspectives, not just to look to our motives. That you and I can look at all of that, yes, but we look to God's word that is greater than those things, that we look to Jesus that is greater than what we think or what we feel, that we have a higher authority, a higher king, a king of kings, a lord of lords, a name above all names, but you and I must still look to Jesus in order to engage this for our hearts. Did it ever occur to you that while on earth, Jesus exercised spiritual disciplines? Did it ever occur to you that he prayed, that he fasted, that every single week he was in synagogue, that he lived life with others, being known and then allowing them to fully know him? He knew them, they knew him. This is how Jesus lived his life with these spiritual disciplines. But it wasn't like these were the only options. You know, oftentimes when we look back in history, we look at it differently and we look at ourselves differently. No, Jesus was surrounded by the very things that you and I are surrounded with today. Tradition and family and temptation and violence and politics and offense and wounding and on and on and on. Jesus was surrounded by all of these things as well. And so again, Jesus is someone that you and I can look to in this season, in every season, because he is someone who absolutely knows what it is to walk through everything that we are walking through. And Jesus knew this one thing. In order to love and in order to lead well, Jesus knew who or what you follow. You give the power to form and to shape us, to shape your heart and to shape your life. 
Let's make this even a little bit more personal today. Did you know that 77% of people, when nothing is occupying their attention, the first thing they reach for, they grab for, is their phone. John Mark Comer says, the noise of this modern world makes us dull to the voice of God, growing out the one input that we need most. Remember, Proverbs says that wisdom raises her voice in the public square. The issue isn't that God isn't speaking. It is that when our world is so noisy, it is difficult sometimes to distinguish God's voice from the voices all around us. But that is why the Apostle Paul, who may I also remind you, walked through times of intense crisis with the same temptations that you and I face all around, says the words, look to Jesus. Because once again, what we set our gaze on and our affection towards, that we begin to give the power to form us and to shape us. And so it's vital for you and I, in particular in a crisis season, to lead well, that we look to Jesus individually, but also together. In the Screwtape Letters, C.S. Lewis wrote this about the kingdom of darkness. He calls the kingdom of darkness the kingdom of noise. You know, Jesus modeled perfectly for us what it looks like to keep our inner world in order. And there's three, there's three easy things for me to say, but they're difficult practices to engage. The first is that Jesus knew how to be still. Stillness is not like finding something within yourself. The psalmist said it well in Psalm 46, 10, I think. Be still and dot, 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 know that I'm God. I like to reverse that. When I know that God is God and I'm not God in that place, I can learn to be still. See, humanism, whether it is Buddhism or if it's in yoga, whatever it is you happen to do, Hinduism, all the different isms, they all value stillness. But once again, whom we look to to produce still waters. Psalm 23, we have a father, we have a, a good shepherd who leads us to still waters. I don't trust my power to still myself. When you do devotions, whether it's on your own or in HeartStrong, gathering together, why it is so vital? It is to get the noise not just out there, but to get the noise in here quieting down so that you and I can hear God's voice. Stillness, this is what Jesus did. Look through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, pick whatever one you want, and watch what Jesus does. Watch as the noise ramps up, that he would wander away and he would find himself just praying, right? Be still and know that he is God. Knowing who God is as followers of Christ allows us to engage stillness. So I'm not here to diminish, but let me, some of you who are practicing mindfulness or you're practicing, you know, moments and times, I want to encourage you though, as a follower of Jesus, push further. Don't just stay in this place of just having calm and peace. Push into the Prince of Peace. 
Push into looking to Jesus who is higher. Look into who God is. Anchor in God's word. Let something that is true and authoritative for the past thousands of years who has actually been faithful generation after generation after generation to bring genuine calm and stillness. Jesus knew how to Sabbath. That's the next one. He knew how to rest while trusting that his father was still working. He knew how not to live a 24-7 life. He knew how to rest in the affection of his father. Can you take a day, a week, some time each week to rest and to trust that while you're resting, God is still working. God has still got it. God is still in control that on your best day and on your worst day, that just because everything happens in the world doesn't mean that you have to comment on everything in the world. You can get off that treadmill and you can let some Sabbath come to your heart that, Lord, I'm not the savior of the world. You're the savior of the world, but you're going to call me to a purpose and a task. And so Sabbath isn't withdrawing from. It's not being in fear of. It is anchoring in for the mission at hand. It is anchoring in for the adventure at hand. It is drawing in strength in who God is. It is trusting that he's going to work while I rest so that next day after Sabbath, I can once again fully engage the mission that God has for me, that I can be praying against darkness. And in Jesus' name, it can be pushed back, that I can be saying, Lord, anoint my eyes. Who do you want me to bless? Who do you want me to minister to? Who is it that you want me to serve? How can I be a, make a Jesus-sized difference, large or small, in their life? Sabbath gives us a moment, a reprieve, to refuel, to pour out our cup for the rest of the next six days. And here's one that gets ooh. Here's one that gets ah. Here's one, I don't even know if I want to do this one. Jesus knew how to simplify. He knew how to be still. He knew how to practice Sabbath. And Jesus knew he knew how to simplify his life, to make his life about purpose, not about possessions. See, right now you may be saying, do you think Jesus may even touch my closet? And the answer is yes. Jesus isn't opposed to stuff, but he sure is opposed that when stuff gets a hold of us, he's opposed to it. He really, really is. One of the dangers of the prosperity gospel is it's the antithesis to Jesus. Now, I'm not advocating for a poverty gospel, but what I'm advocating for is the gospel that says that our hearts should not be bound up in possessions. Here's one of the things that holds so many of us back. If God asks us to give and we're like, I'll give everything, but not that. No, no, not that. That's mine. That's mine. That's mine. That thing riles up in all of our lives. Luke 12, verse 15. Jesus said, take care and be on guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. If there was a word for North America in this time and in this season, it is this. Jesus is essentially saying here, it doesn't even need me to unpack it. It's dead literal. We understand explicitly. Your life isn't what you earn. You are not what you earn. You are not what you achieve. You are not what your bank account says you are. You are what your heavenly father says you are. And those sometimes are two different things. Our life is not in the abundance of our possessions. What's Jesus actually driving at here? Is he saying to all of us, you know, give all those things away? Well, no, he did say that to a rich young ruler because they had a hold of our heart. But you better believe 
that Jesus loves you so much and he leads us so well that if something gets a hold of our heart, he will lovingly speak to it. Why? Because if it's in the way of the purpose that God has for us, he's going to lovingly talk to us about it. Now again, no shame, no guilt, none of those things. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None, zero, zilch. Because I know even a word like that could cause some of people to begin to look around and go, oh man, you, you don't do things from manipulation or because you feel bad or because you feel this. But what you do is, here's what I was taught growing up. It's what my father taught is that you do this with your hands. And if you're on the chat, you, I don't know what you're going to do with that. But if you're at home, you can just do this. Oh, in the chat, you can put up those two little hands like surrender. That's what you can do. Boy, you can put your hands like this. Hold everything lightly. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Therefore, my home and everything within it, God, it's, I'm just a steward of it. It's not ours. Just a steward. You know, I wake up every single day understanding that for an appointed time, I'm just stewarding all that God puts into my hands. I understand when I look at life that Life Center, in the course of its history, will have different lead pastors. Man, I pray that I'm here for my entire life. But it'll have different lead pastors. And so what that means is I want to lead well. Not perfectly and not mistake-free. That's not possible. But we want to lead well because we want to, as, one, as five generations working together at Life Center, we want to ultimately turn the church over at some point to the next generation but we want to turn it over in better shape than we inherited it. And this should be the heart cry of every single generation. In fact, the only reason why Life Center is able to do what it's doing is because of generational blessing. This is the heart of our 40 years. This is the heart from Pastor Barry and Joyce, you know, to myself and Pastor Lori and our team now. And, and then again, and then in the days ahead. Now, it's beautiful that we get to still do it together. I get that. But there comes a day where all of us, you know, do relinquish what's in our hands. So do you need stillness? Do you need Sabbath? Do you need to simplify your life? To lead well, we must too follow Jesus in learning how to be still, how to practice weekly Sabbath, and how to simplify our lives. If we desire to lead well, this is something that all of us must do. This is how... We look to Jesus. This is practically what it looks like to look to Jesus. Let me just read this as we begin to close. Charles Craft says this. Jesus worked in the authority and power given to him by his father. Never once using his own divinity while on earth. Jesus did all this to demonstrate God's love, which is a relational thing to teach us what God and the Christian life are all about. And that's a knowledge and a truth thing. To free people from Satan, that's a power thing. He gave to us the same Holy Spirit under whom he worked, saying whoever has faith in him will do the same things he did and more. Everyone in the chat write the words and more. 
We don't want to be distracted. We don't want to be living in cynicism and criticism. Why? Because we can be living in hope. We can be living in healing. We can be living in reconciliation. We can be living in unity, not these things. We want to be engaging this and more. We want to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, ministering in the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit in such an extraordinary way. And so what was the central critique that Jesus had of other leaders, mainly the religious ones? Well, they were hypocritical. They were just acting. They said one thing and they lived differently. Or they held others to a standard that they themselves had no intention of attaining. But Jesus never was or never did any of these things. And so finally, here's all I want to say today. Every single one of us have a gap. Every one of us. Jesus didn't. He had no gap whatsoever. But because of the presence of sin in all of our lives, we all have a gap. We all have a gap between who we are and who in Christ we desire to be. And the more we trust the work of darkness, the more we look just to the power of self, the wider these gaps begin to grow. Now here's the powerful thing. The enemy will let you achieve vision and dreams and he'll give you clout and an audience providing this gap between who you are and who we can be in Christ grows greater. The enemy will give us all the pleasure we want in this life providing the gap between who we are and who we're called to be in Christ gets greater. But the Holy Spirit of God when we confess, when we're humble, when we surrender, when we express our sin one to another, all of this is closing the gap as small as possible between who we are and who in Christ we are called to be. The Holy Spirit is always bringing the junk up, bringing the stuff up. Why? Because he's constantly working to sanctify us, to make us more like Jesus, to close the gap between what we say and what we do. That if there's any hypocrisy in our lives, that it moves from capital H hypocrisy to small H hypocrisy, then it can move to humility. But every one of us have gaps in our hearts and lives. Here's what Jesus said in John 16, verse 13. When the spirit of truth comes, that's the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you things that are to come. And so for me as a follower of Jesus, I'm very interested in listening to truth. I'm less interested in listening to your truth, and I'm more interested in listening to the spirit of truth. I'm less interested in you hearing my truth than I am more interested in us collectively hearing the spirit of truth. Because when the spirit of truth comes, he guides us into all truth and he closes the gap. In Acts chapter 1, verses 4 to 5 to 8. Okay, this is where I close. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise, the Father, which he said, you heard from me for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse eight, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and Samaria, excuse me, and even to the ends of the earth. So for our inner worlds to be ordered, we need the same Holy Spirit that Jesus had. We need the Holy Spirit for our gaps to be 
be healed and to be reduced or removed. We need the Holy Spirit. And here in Acts chapter one, verse eight, it says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then the ends of the earth. And now I bring this message full circle. There are too many of us that want to change the world, but we're not passionate about Jesus changing us. We want to criticize the world into actually being correct rather than saying, God, would you forgive my heart? Would you heal my heart? Would you close my gaps? Lord, would we welcome the spirit of truth, not just my truth and your truth, would we welcome the spirit of truth to lead us into all truth? Church, we need a fresh move of the Holy Spirit. And here's what's incredible. You are a part of that. I'm a part of that. You and your home right now can open your hearts and say, Lord, speak to me about me, not speak to what is true about my heart. Lord, where is the gap in my life? Where's the gap in my vision? Where's the gap in my hearing? Where's the gap in my feeling? Lord, where's the gap between what I see and what you see? Lord, speak to me about those things in a loving way and lead me well. The scripture says it goes from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria until the ends of the earth. Jerusalem was home for them. It's really easy to try to change things out here. It's really hard to change things starting here. But Jesus said the Holy Spirit always starts at home. He always starts here and he moves out, not the other way around. This is how Jesus led well. And so if you too desire to lead well today, we need the finished work of Christ, the ongoing work of the Spirit, and we also need the full body of Christ. Could you imagine with me, just for a second, what could happen in our homes, in our relationships, in our schools, our businesses, in government, in churches, if leaders like us, all of us, daily allowed Jesus to heal our inner worlds and close the gap in our hearts and lives between who we want to be and who, empowered by the Holy Spirit, we can be in Christ. Life Center. There's a lot that we can be looking at right now. There's a lot that we can be critical of right now. Lord knows I've got my own opinions. But to lead well, we are going to be constrained because we as a church, first and foremost, want to look to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. Why? Because we never know who's looking at us. We have no power over who's looking, but we have full decision over to whom we look. And if we want to lead well like Jesus in stillness and Sabbath and simplicity, then we need to learn today to look to Jesus. I invite you to join us for prayer tonight, Zoom prayer. We're going to pray generationally. Let's pray now. Heavenly Father, teach us to know who you are and that can bring peace to our hearts, stillness to our souls. Lord, help us to learn to rest in you, to trust that you've got it so that we can have our cup filled up afresh to pour out. Teach us to Sabbath. Lord, speak to us about all our stuff. And not just our material possessions, 
All our stuff, our opinions, our critiques, our criticisms, our perspectives. Speak to us about all of our stuff, God. And Lord, let us steward all of these things well. Not perfectly, not mistake-free, but let us steward them well. Because, Father, one day we want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, lead us and guide us as you always do, which is well. In your name we pray, amen. God bless and God keep you.